Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fatel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our sponsors tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll also be checking in a little later with Jack Strap. And as always, we really appreciate all the support and comments at our Twitter site, at 3PointPod. Help us continue to grow and subscribe on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. Whichever site you use to listen to, man, we really appreciate it. Now, we got a lot to get into, fellas, mostly college football. And uh, we're going to get into Saturday night's disappointing Michigan loss at Notre Dame. Friday night's MSU scare against Utah State at Spartan Stadium and everything else college football opening weekend brought us. But I want to just set the table a little bit. I've been dying to know how Jared's experience in South Bend and game day and everything that goes with a college game at Notre Dame. How'd that all go for you, Jared? It was a pretty pretty crazy day with a lot of stuff going on. So, so we got there around, it was about 9 a.m. when we got there. And pretty much from the jump, it was... Uh, so I was handed a mixie at, right at the start of the day. Mars <laughs> move. But, so we were definitely uh, hot off the start. And then <laughs> filled up my backpack with a uh, bunch of drinks. And then we went to college game day. And as you know, I placed a bet on Lee Corso to pick Michigan. As soon as I got on that campus and saw uh, Lee Corso, what he was wearing, he was wearing a, like a Notre Dame green tie. <laughs> I knew immediately that that was just the stupidest pick I probably could have ever made. <laughs> So we were at college game day, and first the first thing I noticed is all of these, I don't know if you guys noticed this on TV, but there was a ton of, like, Jesus, like, pray for Jesus, like, you need saving, like, signs. All over I did I did see those. I was going to actually see, like, look on Twitter, because, you know, people talk about all the game day signs, and no one was mm-hmm. really, really pointing those out, but I saw a bunch of those, uh, you know, I mean, it's a Catholic school, so I guess you'd expect it. Yeah. So as for college game day, like the actual experience at game day, so it was kind of like the concert at Faster Horses where at about 11 I had to really pee. But we ended up getting like really good seats, so it's like I couldn't leave. But I had to hold in my pee for probably the longest I've ever held it in for. <laughs> so the, I've been to game day, I don't know, four or five times. And when I've gone, like there's people that are camped out overnight. There's people, you know, they want to get that those front row seats. They're camped out overnight. They're just partying all night. Did you guys run into that? Like people that were just sitting there, been there since like 4 a.m.? Yeah, we did. But I also would say there didn't seem to be as many, like, college students as I thought there would be. And now I'm not sure if that's, like, just because it was Notre Dame, and I'm not sure if Notre Dame's, like, quite the biggest, like, party school, per se. So that was one thing that kind of surprised me with the college game day crowd is a lot more of, like, I would say, like, 40 to 50-year-olds, which surprised me. Hmm. But so, it definitely comes off as more like like the blue blood traditional type of fan base than, mm-hmm. you know, like an Arizona State or even, like, Michigan State or something like that. I don't think it did on TV, though. I mean, on TV, and I watched every bit of it, it looked like it was a wild party. It looked like it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, it was a great – so, like, so we were on TV a couple times. So we were we were walking through, and there's this one area where it's, like, free Coke, and you can just, you know, they'll just pour you a free Coke. So we were in that <laughs> section, and then they, like, waved us down, and it was when Luke – so there's two different occasions. The first one was when they, like, they had the fan of the week something like that, some guy in Michigan here. And they did a close-up on him, and we were right next to him. And in that moment, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I did. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, the dab. You did the dab, dab. yeah. So, yeah. So 
I kind of did like as many dabs as I could while on camera. Now, is the dab the same thing as stirring the stirring the pot too? You did that also, didn't you? Oh, that was uh, that was eating. That was like I was eating a bowl of cereal. That was the other celebration <laughs> I did. Oh yeah, the Ezekiel Elliott. Well, I guess Denard yeah, kind of did it first, but yeah, yeah, Denard did it as well. That's who, that's who I coined it from. So that was the first time, and then the second time. Well, was, first of all, let me jump in here. That was clutch. I mean, you made you were on there real nice, and it came across good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then there's the second time uh, where they had uh, Luke Bryan was like walking through the crowd. From what I heard, I was not in this group. This is when I was watching Lee Corso. Like this was right before they made the picks. Uh huh. So they had Luke Bryan like walk through the crowd. First he did a test walk through, and then he came back through again. And I tell you what, that's like the most awkward like experience for those guys. That's something I always always like cracked up watching TVs when they had to walk through the crowd. <laughs> and everyone's just yelling and trying to get on camera. I, that might be the most impressive interview and, like style that I've ever seen. It's impressive too, like because I'm I don't know the behind the scenes TV nerd. So you must have seen the the steady cam operator doing it, like walking backwards the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that that's yeah, impressive too. And then you have the the assist, the the person like wheeling the cord in and out the whole time they're walking. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. It's the the whole thing is pretty wild. I know there's a lot of wireless stuff now, but. But yeah, it's it's a whole it, it's cool to see behind the scenes. That's that's what I like to see too. Well, I think that's good stuff, Matt, for you to share with our listeners as well, because you have the inside information on how they can put these TV productions together. So that fascinates me as well. That's cool. And actually, the the Steadicam operator for Game Day that Jared you must have seen uh, at the girl that I used to work with, I was friends with up in Bristol, Bree. She kind of worked her way up. She was just a, a camera operator in in the studios. Started doing Steadicam and then started traveling for like Monday Night Football. Now she's like the main Steadicam operator for Game Day and stuff. So that, that's a really cool job for her to have. Yeah, and then so okay, so then get, Game Day was over and Lee Corso obviously didn't make a pick. I lost ten bucks right there, so it wasn't a great start to the day. You you should have known that in South Bend he wasn't going to take Michigan. I like I said once I I realized how dumb it was, but my hope <laughs> didn't give up. First off, I didn't like his selection of how he did it. No, I, I was going to say the same Hunchback. thing. Like the thought was there, you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame, all that, but the execution wasn't very good. That, that was no. one of the least funny ones. It was. So he, he made the pick, so then we were walking back to the car to get uh, to refuel. <laughs> and get this, Luke Bryan's limo that he took, the lady was sitting at a stoplight, and one of my buddies, Spindock, he yelled, he yelled to her, like, hey, can we get a ride to our car? And she actually said, yeah. So we jumped in, and we're just searching the cabinets for uh, anything we can get our hands on. Because <laughs> you, you, you would expect there to be champagne or whatever. There was not, unfortunately. <laughs> you jumped in whose car? It was a limo. It was Luke Bryan's limo that he took. Oh, my goodness. You got to ride in there, huh? Yeah. Like, nice. It was like a mile. They took, she took us to our car. Yeah, I saw that. Your, your biggest worry last week when we were talking was how you were going to get home. I thought you were going to say Luke Bryan's limo took you home. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is like, yeah, this is right after game day. So then we did that, got back, and we ran into this snap story. And it's like, I'd never heard of it, but I guess it's like super popular. It's called, like, How Low Will You Go, is what it's called. Matt, have you maybe heard of that on Snapchat? I, I think I've come by it, yeah. So they actually asked uh, my two buddies, Casey and uh, Zach Spinning, if they wanted to. Like be on the show, and basically the, the the plot of the show is this: you like they put a number, it starts at a thousand, and it's like, and, and it would like drink a gallon of nacho cheese, uh, eat Wolverine teeth, or like shave someone's head, and it's like you go down, uh, like the lowest whoever would do it for the least amount of money wins, and then you have to do it, obviously. So you and so you have to bet like how much, how low 
something like that? Yeah, and if, then you would have to do it, and then you'd get the money. So they said that we were, they were going to do it. Uh, so my two buddies were going to do it against each other, and then they were talking, and they were just going to say, like, yeah, we're just going to stop at 1,000, and, like, one of us will have to do it. And they actually overheard them say that, and so we were actually kicked off of that show. <laughs> we're not going to do Oh, jeez. They, 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 people ended up doing that first thought. So then I watched that today. People ate Wolverine teeth for $5. Oh. For, like, a dollar. It was, like, the stupidest thing. How People are very dumb. Yeah, we will do anything for money, I guess. I don't know. No, five dollars. Where was this at, Jared? Was this at your tailgate area, or was this at the bar? Where, where was this? Where did this take tail, place? This is in the middle of the tailgate area. They flagged us down when we were like going to the porta potties. Gotcha. Casey, he was like a, he's like he's like the big Notre Dame fan of our group. Right. He actually ran into Mike Bray on his way to the bathroom and got a photo nice. with him and stuff. Oh, sweet. And he told him how he was like crying on his dorm room floor when uh, Notre Dame <laughs> lost to Kentucky in the Elite Eight. <laughs> so he, was he dressed in like a nice suit with his hair slicked back and everything? Yeah, he was wearing like a polo. I guess he was just like swinging through the ground. Like no one recognized him other than uh, my friend is what he told me. So, so overall, yeah. overall, like that, that was your first game day experience. Would you rather be there for game day or sitting on your couch watching? It's uh, I I would say it'd be good to go to a couple of them every year. Uh, no, I wouldn't want to do it like every week. Uh, it was definitely really cool to see uh, tailgate. I feel I would like to. I wouldn't want to go to the same tailgate like every week. I couldn't see myself doing that. But like if I was going to a different spot, like seeing what it was like, I definitely would like to do that every week if I could. It was a different spot. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool too. If you're being a Michigan fan, you know, to as as things go down the road, maybe pick other sites to go, like Northwestern and Chicago. That'd be a fun one to go to, I think. And it's usually taken over by Michigan fans too. That'd be cool yeah, to go to. I mean, I I don't know. I I could go tailgate in Ann Arbor every weekend, every home game. Because I mean, tailgating on the golf course—that's my up preference. Up and down State Street. I, I don't know. Ann Arbor's tailgate scene is is second to none, and really East Lansing is really cool too. Yep. So I mean, if if you had like a legit setup with your buddies, you know, and stuff like that, where you got you know grill, TV, everything like that, I, I could definitely go do the same tailgate all the time. Yeah, I will say that much. Some people like they go. So hard. They had like catered food, like three flat screens attached to their like RV, mm-hmm. um, like a bar, like basically a bar, like five like half gals and like all this beer like in coolers and stuff. But if you do it right, like that's the best way to watch the game. Like if you're right outside the stadium, basically just doing what you do in your living room, just around a bunch of other people, like that's awesome. Yeah, what Matt's talking about too, and down in Ann Arbor, a Michigan game. I mean, you could go tailgate at Ann Arbor Pioneer School, or ideally, and always was my favorite spot is on the golf course. It's just awesome. That's the best spot. I mean, you're right there next to the stadium, but next to the high school you are too. So, I mean, walking distance to everything, and I don't know. Everyone's just around. Everyone's in a good mood. They're ready for the game, getting fired up. And I think one thing is too, like. This time of year is maybe a little better because it's just a little warmer once you get into those November games and everything. I mean, I, I was tailgating uh, a couple years ago the Michigan-Michigan State game in Ann Arbor, uh, the, the last play of the game, the fumbled snap. And it was it started snowing during the tailgate, and it was still fun. You know, you're, you're drinking, having fun with your friends and everything, but it was cold. It was really cold. <laughs> yeah, and especially by the time the night's over, you're froze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. We were – we. Some of our friends at tailgate, we hit, we had TVs up, so we were watching. I mean, not even a half mile from the stadium. So, 
I mean, it was almost a better setup because if you're, I don't know, it would still be cool to be in the stadium, but sometimes, like Jared said, if, if you have that setup for your tailgate, it's almost better to watch the game right there. Right, a lot of people do that as well. Before we wrap up the tailgate segment of this podcast, uh, where did you end up watching it at, Jared? So we ended up, uh, like, it's like Eddie Street Commons is like the area in South Bend, like the on-campus where all the bars are. Mm-hmm. So we ended up going to... It's called O'Rourke's. It was like an Irish pub. A classic you know Irish pub that? name. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were there, and we were outnumbered Michigan. There was like three Michigan fans, and basically everybody else was a Notre Dame fan. Oh. And uh, I actually saw probably the most emasculating thing I've ever seen. So there was a Michigan, the only other Michigan fan there. He gravitated toward us, and he was the biggest idiot I've ever met. I, I, <laughs> we didn't get his name. You guys remember the targeting penalty, like in the uh, who was that on? Do you remember? Yeah, Josh, Josh Metellus. Yep. Yeah, on Metellus, he was like so. He, you could tell this guy had never watched a football game in his life, and he was just sitting there making Michigan fans just look complete, completely idiotic, saying like how that was like a clean hit and stuff. And everyone's like, dude, that was like a dirty hit. Like we're well, not necessarily dirty, but it was illegal. You know yeah, what I mean? They had to call it. They did. It was the definition of a targeting penalty. Like right. that, that's exactly what that penalty is made for. Yep. So Spin Dog, he's a, he's a big guy. He's like probably six two, like two fifty, probably. He he just says to the guy, "Trip, he said, you you gotta go." <laughs> the guy went from being the loud. They still the guy. He's like, "Oh, dude, I'll just be quiet. I'll be quiet. You're like, ah, you don't have to worry." The guy went from yelling after every play to literally sitting with his arms crossed against the wall. <laughs> Say a word. I, I tell you what, if I ever do, if that ever happens to me, like that's when you know. You can't be any lower than that guy was in that moment. Way to go, Spin Dog! All right, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it was a clutch move by Spin Dog, and I've never. And he he kept reminding us how that he shot that guy down like every ten minutes. You knew he was he was loving that that <laughs> Well, we'll talk about the game next, but before we do, I want to tell our listeners about Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the spot to meet up with all your friends. Definitely stop and watch some Michigan football or any college or pro football during the season. They have weekly food and drink specials, including awesome burgers, wings, and pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee M21 in Corona. Guys, let's talk the game now. Break it down. I'll start it with just saying, you know, it's a long season for sure, but I was extremely disappointed with the way the Wolverines came out, especially giving up that drive downfield right out of the get-go. They didn't seem quite as prepared as I think they should have been, and uh, I was a bit surprised they even had a chance at the end to possibly send it to OT. Yeah, that's that's the, one of the biggest things to me. I mean, there's a few, obviously, I don't know, things that stand out. But it, it seemed like right off the jump they weren't prepared for what Notre Dame was going to do. And maybe they didn't know, expect Wimbush, Notre Dame's quarterback, to be airing it out like he was. You know, I don't know. But in post-game interviews, Chase Winovich, the defensive end, he had a really good game for Michigan. He even he looked like befuddled. He was saying over and over like he's confused how they lost the game. He didn't expect them Notre Dame to come out and smack him in the mouth like that. So it is almost like they weren't prepared. It's almost like they were being told the whole time, you know, you guys have an amazing defense, maybe the best defense in the nation. You're going to come out, you're going to shut them down. So it was almost like they thought they would walk in there and just take care of business and and leave with a win. And Notre Dame, they they smacked him in the mouth early, and hey, the defense did adjust, and yep, they you know did. they kind of actually played well after the first quarter. The offense just couldn't get it going. No, and that was the other thing I was disappointed with with Harbaugh specifically because the game plan you got to tailor it to what you got in Patterson. You know, you got to have the sprint outs and and you know the option to pass or run. I was a little surprised. I don't know what you guys thought looking at Patterson on TV. 
Geez, he just seemed a lot smaller than I was figuring. No, I mean, I, I guess I didn't really have the same takeaway with his size. I mean, he's definitely a small guy. But like you said, it's just I kind of thought Harbaugh was going to sort of cater it, kind of how he did it with Colin Kaepernick, basically scrapped the offense that they had right. and just ran sort of RPOs and read options, and they didn't do that. They were running that, and they ran this, they run this play all the damn time where they run the wide receiver like jet, like motion and they fake the handoff to the wideout and then they fake the handoff to the running back and they drop out and drop back to pass. Like, this isn't 1930s anymore. Like, just go shotgun, go no huddle. I think Harbaugh just needs to abandon that. Like, we don't have all of the coordinator. Did you ever notice that? Like, it's, like we might be the only school in the entire uh, country that doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah, there's, like, there's other offensive assistants. But, yeah, I mean, basically Harbaugh is the offensive coordinator. And even Pep Hamilton, who, who's part of that staff, he has said that all the play calling goes through Harbaugh. So he, he does deserve a lot of criticism. I mean, you would think a lot of people have been saying it. When you have a quarterback like Shea Patterson, you tailor the offense, like you said, to, to uh, his abilities because his biggest weapon is his athleticism. And if you're just making him drop back five, seven-step drops for passes, I mean, it's not going to work, especially with Michigan's O-line. Yeah. Well, for a debut, I mean, even though they made it close at the end, it was definitely disappointing. Part of the reason the close score was the 99-yard touchdown run. But a couple of bad plays also killed them, you know. When they had the targeting play, and I think it was three or four plays later, the backup defensive back had a clear shot for an interception and just did not play it well, and that was a long six-point touchdown pass. I mean, you know, that was a tough one to swallow right there. Yeah, I mean, a few other ones. I mean, Winovich, I, I mentioned him earlier, had a good game, but he had a huge late hit on the quarterback, yep. and it, it was. It was the right call that led to it. That would have stopped the drive, and it led to a touchdown for Notre Dame. They had two or three dropped interceptions. Like, the DBs had chances at interceptions that they dropped. Uh, Zach Gentry, he, he dropped a touchdown pass. I mean, they it, it does a lot of this does come down to Harbaugh because he's the guy – preparing the team, making the game plan, and, you know, if he's the one, if all the play calling goes through goes through him, that comes back on him. But it does get to a point sometimes, too. I don't know what you guys think. You know, you always hear about the coaches on the hot seat and all this kind of stuff, and, and Harbaugh definitely deserves some criticism. But eventually the players have to make plays. I mean, right. guys that are, the guys that are committing these penalties, that's not Harbaugh doing that. When DBs are dropping interceptions, when when uh, offensive linemen are missing block after block after block, that's not on Harbaugh. Eventually, the players do have to step up and, and perform. Well, you bring up the offensive line. That was the other weakness that I wanted to point out. That was not impressed with those guys at this point. You know, they weren't blocking a whole heck of a lot up there. Did you guys see uh, Braylon Edwards? Uh, his tweets. Yes. About how he called out um, Caesar Ruiz and Shea. I, I, first off, I agreed with his comments 100%. I won't disagree with his comments, but he also deserved to be suspended, in my view. Do you think that there's any way is he going to go back to BTN, do you think, or do you think they're going to cut ties with him? I think they're cutting him. I think he, I, my gut feel is he's out of there. I, what do you think, Matt? I, don't, I, I feel like. Mostly because he is a pretty big name, especially for the Big Ten Network. I think eventually he might come back, but it might not be for a little while because it does. When it comes to the media and like uh, calling out players specifically in college, if there's a, there's like a gray area for attacking them like that because the, these guys aren't getting paid to play. So I mean, you can you can criticize the coaches like that, call them out individ, like specifically by name because they're getting paid to coach. But when you start uh, criticizing the players, like naming them like that specifically, it, it does start to it, 
it like toes the line that you're being too critical of him that way as an analyst. So I, I think that that might be where he loses his job. But it, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, what he said wasn't necessarily wrong. It's just how he said it. Yeah, I think almost all Michigan fans pretty much agree with his assessment. It's the way he said it and the position that he holds. I mean, he could be saying that to his buddies, but to to flat out send a tweet out, I don't care if you're drunk or not, which is another strike against him in that kind of position he has, uh, you just can't do that. And again, Jared, I, I know you're the young guy, and I know how you you read things and you know you like to put things out there, but in your future career, you do got to walk a line a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. It- and that's a, it was wild to see him post that. But I just I just kind of thought, and I do agree with what he's saying. Like, is Michigan better than Iowa? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. But I also will say this about the, the game in general. Like, Notre Dame is a very good team, and it was at Notre Dame in a night. Like, I kind of feel like they're gonna, that's going to kind of just, like, swept under the rug and all, like, how Michigan didn't win the game. Like, how about Notre Dame just being a very good team? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty fair point right there. There's no doubt. I think both those teams are pretty evenly matched. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that, I mean, I think that's what you're saying about it being swept under the rug, Jared, that I think Notre Dame's defense is going to end up being, by the end of the year, one of the best defenses in the country. So it's not like Michigan went up against some, like, terrible team, you know, something like that. They, they're going up against one of the best teams in the nation, at least one of the best defenses in the nation. It's Shea Patterson's first uh, first official game with Michigan. So, you know, they've got some kinks to iron out. So maybe, hopefully it'll be like 2015 when – they kind of laid an egg against Utah that first game of the year with Jake Rudock, but then throughout the year their offense got better and better, and they were actually really good at the end of the year. So hopefully they can figure some stuff out these next couple of weeks. Well, I know they got to get it together soon. They have Western Michigan this week. Uh, Western put up some points this last weekend, so it's not going to be a gimme. So the Wolverines better be ready for it. I think they will be. I think this loss really stings, and they know if you're going to lose a game, First or second week of the season's win to lose one, right? Yeah, I mean, it's better to lose early than later. I mean, we all know that, how college football works. But, I mean, Western Michigan, they put up some points, but it was against Syracuse. And, I mean, to be honest, Syracuse is not very good at all. So there's no reason that Michigan should even have a close game against Western Michigan. But you never know. You have to play the games. But I think the thing that's starting to really bug me about this whole, you know, you hear about it all over and over and over, that Michigan is 0-17 now. Their, their last 17 games on the road against ranked opponents. And a lot of times when people bring that up, they use that as a reason to criticize Harbaugh and say that he should be on the hot seat. Well, of those 17 games, only three of them Harbaugh was there for. So, you know, the 0-17, that's a big number. That's a legitimate stat. It's huge. You know, that, that, that's a really 12 years it's been. So, I mean, that's pretty terrible. But three of those games are the only ones that Harbaugh has been there for. So, you know, you need to have a little perspective there. A lot of this stuff we're talking about was tweeted on Three Point Pod Twitter site, right? Yeah, we threw out some stuff like that, and I mean, um, you know, it, it's a good follow. I say you should check it out. Absolutely. Well, you know, before we wrap up with Michigan, I just want to ask you guys, you guys, one more question before we get to Michigan State's performance: Is Harbaugh on the hot seat? Any inkling right now from you two that the pressure's on? I don't think so. I really. Well, first off, let me just put my personal views. I really don't. Think he's even if we lose to Michigan State and Ohio State again this year, I would just I wouldn't even put him on the hot seat at all. Like, I, the, who would we get that's better than? And then as for like just personal, it kind of seemed like this weekend for the first time I noticed a lot of people were kind of calling for his job. Uh, but I really I would say even if he loses to his rivals this year, doesn't have a great year, I would say he still has a whole another year next year. I don't think there's any way he gets fired after this season. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any any way this year that he should be on the hot seat. And I think to to your point, I think that that's the biggest thing is who who would you bring in who would be at least at the same level or better uh, than what Harbaugh is doing with recruiting and turning the program back around. So that's the biggest thing to me. But also there is a side to it that he is going to have to eventually start winning some big games because, I mean, they gave him the keys to the ship. He When they brought him in, basically wrote him a blank check, you know, gave him, you know, almost complete control of the football program, all these the new facilities and all this kind of stuff. They basically gave him everything he wanted He's going to put the administration in a weird spot in a year or two if he's still losing to Michigan State and Ohio State going 8-4, and 9-3, and because it's going to be like, hey, man, we're paying you a ton of money to win these big games, and, and you're not doing it. So so it is going to get to a point where it's like you got to start winning these games. I mean, eventually you, there's only so many excuses you can use. Well, yeah, and you're going to get the trickle-down effect, too. I mean, I, I tend to be on your guys' team here, stick with Harbaugh, get some continuity. Who are you going to get? Yeah, you could get a guy like Bob Stoops or Les Miles, but is it going to be that much better, if better at all, than Harbaugh? But, okay, let's say they go 8-4 and four again. they got to get it done then next year because you're going to start losing some of these big-time recruits, and you're, you're not going to ever get over that hump, are you? Yeah, and that's when I start to wonder, so, okay, if Michigan goes 8-4 and four again this year, then, you know, it is like, okay, well, how about next year? If this is, there's a ton of talent on this team this year, so it is almost kind of like, and, and you got Shea Patterson coming in. So it is almost like, okay, if it's not this year, when is it going to be? Right. There is a lot of talent on this team. So I, I don't know when you're going to have a team that's more talented than this year's team. Well, the bright spot is if McCaffrey sticks around, he, lo- he showed some, some talent out there coming in just cold. You know, he looked pretty good. The, the biggest thing to me was uh, when he dropped back to pass, he was making his decisions quick. He was either throwing it or yep. getting up and trying to get a yard or two, whereas Patterson, it seemed like he was trying to be a little too much Johnny football sometimes. I don't understand how people were wanting, like, McCaffrey. Like, they, they really thought they saw, like, a whole lot from McCaffrey. They were just doing rollouts with him, and he was just hitting out routes. Like, it was the safest play calling. He really didn't do much. Yeah, well, the reason I brought it up, though, was I'm looking ahead to next year. Patterson's probably gone, right? I mean, he has another year of eligibility, so, I mean, if he has a really good year, I guess he could go pro, but he might come back. But I guess that that's the thing, Jared, and that that's the point. Is So if they were calling those plays when McCaffrey was in there, why the hell wouldn't they do that when Patterson's in there? Because he's, he's the athletic guy. He's the guy that's exactly. supposed to be you know a dual-threat quarterback. So, like, McCaffrey looked good running those plays, and but why weren't they calling those plays when Patterson was in? That, that's what I don't understand. That was a baffler, without a doubt. But the biggest thing to hang your head on, though, before we run away from Michigan, they they can still achieve every goal that they want, and they still have you know they a, a legitimate shot to make the college football playoff or to make the Big Ten championship, and then you know whatever happens after that. So so all the people now yeah. saying you know fire Harbaugh, Harbaugh season's over, it's not quite that bad. I love your optimism, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> if we, I mean, if we win the rest of our games. Uh, Oh yeah. What do you what do you think now though? Looking at them play this game, you think the, what do you think the odds are of them winning the rest of their games? You you pretty optimistic? Well, if we don't do it this year, there, there's always next year and, and the year after that. <laughs> That's right. We're we're going to be cheering for them without a doubt. Well, the thing is though, I I do think the defense is there though. I, the the defense they yep. after that first quarter, after like a three or four big plays in the first quarter that they just got beat on whatever. The defense played pretty well, so I think the defense is good enough to keep them in any game. They just the offense has to figure it out a little bit. Without a doubt, that's going to be the key because you're exactly right. The defense 
they're as good as any in college football. And I, I have to give credit to Notre Dame, too. That defense is pretty stout. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of good defenses, at least Joe Bocci over there at Michigan State came up with the play of the year so far, I thought. But they they were tested by Utah State. I, Jared, I don't know if you even had a chance to watch that game as you are preparing for your tailgate. But uh, Spartans struggled a little bit. And I thought some of that was their own doing. And I thought also Utah State, they don't have too bad a team. And their quarterback looked pretty impressive. I was able to watch the fourth quarter. And the thing, that's just the difference between Michigan and Michigan State. Like, Michigan would have lost that game. State just does not, like, they, they never, whereas I feel like state basketball always, like, lives up, but they always lose. Like, it's kind of, the, the programs are the same, and sort of the same way where Michigan State basketball kind of seems to always lose the big game, and Michigan football seems to always win the, mm-hmm. or lose the big games. And then Michigan basketball always seems to win the big games, and Michigan State football always seems to win the big games. Some of that has oh. to be attested, attested to coaching. And I don't know if you guys caught it at the end of the game where the Spartans completely scrapped their original offensive game plan and ran the option with Lewerke. And did you see when it was crunch time, that's what got the game a victory for them. They won it like three times. They ran it like three times at the end of that game. Right. Ran it to the left, ran it to the right, and then ran it to the left, and then they won. It almost makes you think they were keeping that in the the bag of tricks. They didn't want to show it, but they had to to, mm-hmm. to get the win. But that's good coaching. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that that it comes down to is coaching. You know, being having your guys prepared for situations like that where you have to pull out a win. Michigan State, they always seem to have these games early in the season, like where they kind of stumble, everyone starts questioning, are they going to win? Like, remember two years ago, they almost lost to Furman. Right. Um, it seems like Western Michigan has always given them a little bit of trouble. But, right, to your point, Jared, they always seem to figure it out. And I really do think a lot of that comes down to coaching and give Mark D'Antonio credit because, like you said, they pull out some different plays, the option to maybe put Utah State on their heels and, and get some yards, whereas a part of me feels like Harbaugh would just keep running uh, uh, Higdon up the middle to try and get yards or something. Yeah, that's that's absolutely something that we have to get credit to uh, D'Antonio and his staff because how many times have they pulled out a trick play, like a fake field goal at the perfect time and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, the old fake field goal, little Giants against Notre Dame to win the game or whatever that right, was. So. Right, right. <laughs> No, you, you have to give them credit and, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, it's Utah State, so people are like, ah, oh, they look pretty shaky, but it's like, whatever, they still pull out the win. Like, that, that is what, what matters when it comes down to it. But uh, the defense, Michigan State's defense, they did give up a ton of yards. So, I mean, I guess that's the one negative you could say. Otherwise, I mean, they, they played a solid game and they won. And like I said at the beginning of this part of the segment, Joe Bocci came up with a huge play there at the end. That was, that was really impressive. It was. So, Ted, I got a question for you. So, did you see what time the game is next week for Michigan State? I did. Uh, do you think you will be staying up or a little past your uh, bedtime? No, I, I think I'll be staying up. I've, I've got a long day ahead of me. We'll see how it works out. I'm going to the Tiger-Cardinals game on Saturday. They're honoring the 68 team, so I'm looking forward to that. But I will say this, the beauty of the DVR, and I'm a kind of an early morning riser as well, if I if I just recorded on the DVR and have my cup of coffee and watch the second half the next morning, it, it isn't going to matter to me. Oh, yeah. You can fast forward through the commercials. You can get through that pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I've done that many times. Now, I know a lot of the younger generation, there's no way they could do that. Jared, you couldn't do it, could you? Yeah, it'd be a real shame. Well, first off, it would get spoiled for me in two seconds. And it'd be a real shame if someone texted you the ending score uh, Saturday. <laughs> I won't be paying attention to my text. It'd be a real, be a real shame if it's one of our listeners that's uh... <laughs> Dare you. I dare you. I know a lot of people are calling for an upset. They're saying that that's a, a sneaky game for Michigan State. 
you know, heading out west. It's a, a 10:30 kick, at least Eastern time. Herm Edwards, you know, the new coach of Arizona State, has his guys playing well. You're not buying that, are you, man? You think it's an upset alert? I personally, I I think it could be, but I know uh, you think they're going to roll, don't you? I don't, not necessarily roll. I I just because of what we're talking about. I think that you yeah, know Arizona State wins. will keep it close, but I think Michigan State and D'Antonio, he'll just they'll figure it out and they'll they'll find a way to win. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. They'll probably come away with a win, but it'll be a tough fought game for sure. Any other uh, any other stories we need to get on the table here from uh, opening weekend of college football? Alabama looks good. We know they got a. We know who their starting quarterback is, even though Nick got a little testy with Maria after the game. There's that's a no brainer, right? Yeah, I mean, seeing the way that uh, Tua played. I mean, Jalen Hurts played well too, but but Tua. I mean, he looks like he's almost NFL ready right now. So I mean, that's a no brainer to for him to be the starter. But Alabama looks like they're just. Oh, they might just roll through the regular season. They look they look like they're on another level again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what, now I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I kind of thought it was kind of an underwhelming weekend for college football overall. Just not that many great games. A lot of blowouts, I thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the Auburn-Washington game, that was a good game. That was the 3.30 game on Saturday. But uh, some of the primetime games were a little bit of a snooze fest the last couple of nights. Yeah, a lot of the games that were like supposed to be really good, because really even – the Michigan Notre Dame game wasn't really like all that exciting. No. Like for us, it kind of was, I guess. Right. But like for I for like if it was a a neutral fan or whatever watching, I bet it probably wasn't that exciting of a game. And kind of like the Auburn Washington game, it did get a little exciting, but it kind of slowed down quite a bit in the middle. So I, I get what you're saying, yeah. And even last night, Virginia Tech Florida State ended up being a blowout too. So yeah, how about Jackson, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, Freddie Jackson's son? He could. Yeah, he was uh, what from Saline. Michigan? I saw a few tweets saying that he could have been Michigan's quarterback right now. Right. He actually recruited him. He looked pretty good. Under the radar. I think there was a falling out there with Jackson, maybe, at, at the university when they had the coaching changes. Cause he, he... I, yeah, I forgot that uh, that his son, went that he went to Virginia Tech, and I, I do wonder if there's a little bad blood there. Yeah, I think so, because didn't he survive like three, three or four coaching changes and he was stayed on the staff? Oh, he, yeah, he was always like the mainstay through like – I feel like maybe even all the way back to Gary Moeller. Moeller, Carr, right. I think he might have even been there with Rich Rod. So, so yeah, he, he was the guy that stuck around. And I, I don't know when he left, if it was with Hoke or Harbaugh. I don't know. I'm not sure either, but uh, his kid's pretty good. Look, Virginia Tech didn't look bad last night. They came out ready to play. Yeah, they look good. And I don't know what you guys think when you watch other teams play and, and those two, even though Florida State's offense didn't look like amazing the whole game. But when I when I watch other teams play, especially teams like Florida State, Virginia Tech, you know, Clemson, Alabama, their offenses, they just look so much more like modern, Mm -hmm. the offense that Michigan runs. I mean, you always have your base plays, I guess, but it seems like all these other teams, all these other programs have these plays or these, I don't, they're not like gimmicky plays. They're just, you know, creative plays to put the defense on its heels. And it doesn't seem like Michigan does that very much. Is that because Harbaugh is a mini bow? Because Bo Schembechler, that's how he was. He was always stubborn, didn't mix it up either. Yeah, and that's what people have started to question. I mean, that that's where some legitimate criticism comes in. I mean, too, what we were just talking about with Michigan State, all of a sudden bringing out the option at the end of the game, you know, is, is Harbaugh too stubborn? Is he too set in, you know, his, his mentor, Bo Schembechler, and, you know, his dad and everything? Is he too set in, like, 
classic football. Like we should, this should be smash mouth. This should be like grinded out football that he's not going to make adjustments. You know, I don't know. Let's hope not because times have changed, you know, and you got to make adjustments without a doubt. Well, we'll be talking college football pretty much every pod for the next, what, 14, 15 weeks? Yeah, I don't know. What, four months? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Well, uh, we're going to have Jack Strap coming up next, but before we get to Jack, I just want to tell you about the Corona Connection. That's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona Vernon and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon. Pick up a copy of the latest edition at many Corona businesses and Kroger. Like them on Facebook at CoronaConnection.com. Well, next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Fred, Matt, Jerry, I hope you guys are doing well tonight. Doing well. And uh, you have you have a good weekend there, Fred? Absolutely. Oh. Except for the Michigan game. Well, I can tell you right now, my weekend didn't start too good outside of the Wolverine defeat, which I'll talk about in a moment here. But it started out real ugly Saturday morning as Jake, as you know, was out hunting squirrel and rabbit right. uh, into the early morning hours. And uh, what happens is he's confronted by the DNR, apparently had multiple violations. First of all, I guess rabbit and squirrel season doesn't start officially until September 15th. <laughs> and apparently you're not allowed to hunt with a firearm within 450 feet of an occupied building. But he was spotted shooting a squirrel <laughs> off our neighbor's bird feeder right outside your window. And uh, But he had a great take, guys. He ended up getting, I think, uh, eight rabbits and ten squirrels. But uh, sadly, that exceeded the maximum requirements, and they found out his hunting license was expired. Do you believe this? <laughs> oh, no. My goodness. So we hired an attorney out of Langsburg area. Right. Because his fines have totaled up to over $3,000, potentially six months in jail. Whoa. So rather than uh, hunting animals, he went out hunting for a job to pay the cost of what he's going to pay here. So he got a job over at uh, Creek's Convenience Store over there on Miller's Road. So it looks like as far as killing squirrels, Jake bagged 10, but the DNR bagged 11 because they took all of his and bagged him, a 210-pound squirrel. <laughs> Crazy. I tell you, the only advantage is he's hopefully going to – I'm going to make him take tail time, uh, guys, so that he doesn't spend uh, any time in our basement like he always does. But, uh, hey, anyway, I want to talk about uh, regardless of, uh, of uh, you know – Killing animals, we know that killing wolverines is still in season. Arab Harsegian had his iris fired up and gave Lloyd Carr his top-rated defensive unit their first defeat of the year. And I know the Twitter world is going crazy looking for his firing, but I'm not going to call for his head, guys. And I'll tell you why. Because, first of all, offenses always start out the season a little bit more lackluster than the defense. And let's face it, I'm also optimistic that Michigan's going to rebound big because even though it was sort of an ugly loss, uh, you know, look, one touchdown pass from Kaiser was up for grabs, and Woodson simply mistimed his jump. Right there, could have gone the other way. And the Wolverine defense had Notre Dame in several uh, first-half, third-down opportunities, but between head-spearing and dumb, bad calls and and just, uh, you know, third down conversions, Notre Dame was able to capitalize. And then, of course, you have the botched field goal attempt, and they had a legitimate chance to tie the ball game at Notre Dame Stadium, and Denard Robinson fumbles the ball away. I mean, I also think, guys, that at the end of the day, Notre Dame's going to prove to be quite 
a formidable team at the end and could very well be a Final Four team. Now, guys, I know this is ridiculous, but not only do I want to retain Lloyd Carr, but I predict that the Wolverines will end up with two losses this year, and the next loss will be to Alabama in the semifinal game. How's that? Wow, I like the way you think. There you go. And as far as uh, Dick Saban abused, uh, I guess he abused the reporter, and he apologized. But in my opinion, guys, the biggest part of the story is the violation or the abuse of the reporter, not the apology. The apology, that's the least he can do. Sure, I know these big, snooty coaches, they get sick of dumb questions like, hey, Nick, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? (laughs) But Maria Taylor simply asked him a question that we all want to know. Who's your quarterback? We all know what that answer is, guys, but it's the right question at the right time. And by the way, it was asked in the right way. So following the huge Bama win, Dick Saban, don't be so arrogant. Try to show a little humility or you'll end up with my son, Jake. (laughs) Anyway, hey, guys, I know you're sick and tired of talking about Kaepernick, or at least I assume you are. But look, mainstream media keeps talking about it, so you know good old Jack Straff is going to keep commenting on it. So Nike is creating the ad campaign around him for being courageous. Well, first of all, I doubt when he decided to use the national anthem as a way to bring visibility to what many in the black community perceive as police brutality and unprovoked murder against innocent black people predicted that his so-called courageous act would lead to unemployment. But the irony here is that money is what motivated the NFL and money is what's motivating Nike. Uh, Do you think for a minute that a billion-plus publicly traded company like Nike is more interested in social causes than the bottom line? Only if the bottom line is impacted positively, and it's precisely what Nike is banking on. I'd like to share a real quick quote, guys, from the Atlantic magazine written in 2012 concerning the high percentage of sneakers purchased by poor black youth, specifically concerning Nike. Here's a quote. Was the Jordan campaign another stab at promoting black culture and raising the profile of African-Americans through basketball? Or was it the exploitation of young black men by footwear companies? So I'm going to end this topic with a question. Is it possible, guys, that by promoting Kaepernick as a courageous black athlete that Nike may in fact be exploiting the same poor inner-city black population allegedly being targeted by racist cops for higher profits. I may be old and stupid, but even I can see this ad campaign will continue to divide us, not unite us, while Nike hopes to share good news with stockholders. And who knows, probably a new campaign saying, take the knee, buy from Nike. I don't know, maybe I... I should get in the ad writing campaign, maybe. I don't know. But uh, on to the Detroit Lions in Thursday night football. Patricia will get his first victory as the Lions defeat the Jets 28-14. to And he'll celebrate with a drive through to Taco Hell, scattering fast food debris all over his new Ford luxury Lincoln. That's about it, guys. Have a great one. All right. Hey, good stuff there, Jack. And uh, you bring up some good points with Kaepernick. We're going to kick around the Colin Kaepernick Nike thing in our upcoming segment on the NFL. Good stuff, Jack. Have a good one.
Wow, always great stuff from Jack Strap. Always good to hear from him. Before we wrap up the show, I just want to tell you about the Corona Public Schools. They have a winning team, and you can join them. Find out why nearly 40% of their students make Corona their school of choice. Whether young or old, it's great to be gold. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's have this final portion kind of a mixture of things. First of all, in the NFL, the Lions wrapped up their preseason uh, the Browns look really good against them in week four. We know that means nothing, but taking a look at uh, the NFL, any thoughts going in? Who are the teams to beat? Who's going to dethrone uh, the Eagles, if anybody? What do you guys think? Well, I think the obvious team is, I mean, the New England Patriots. I think we got to have the Lemon to win their division every year. I think they got to be the favorites. Probably, would you think Jacksonville will make another run at it? If you go off of last year, obviously they've, they've got all their defense back and everything, so you got to think that they'll they'll make another run. I think the Steelers, if, if Big Ben, uh, if he can stay healthy all year, I mean, Le'Veon Bell hasn't reported to camp yet, which is really strange, but I feel like eventually Le'Veon Bell is going to come to camp, so you got to think the Steelers are going to be there. But you know what, and I hate to say it, but because I really want the Lions to finally win the division, make the playoffs, I really think the Packers might have a chance this year because Rodgers finally got his contract. You know, he knows he's there probably for the rest of his career. Uh, they they didn't add much in the off season, but I don't know. They never really do. So as long as they have Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be really good. I just have a feeling they might they might. Uh, be the team to beat in the NFC this year. Yeah, I think the problem with the Lions, I think they're still looking up at not only Green Bay, but Minnesota as well. I mean, Kirk Cousins coming in for Case Keenum, that, to me, that's kind of a trade-off. But, you know, Minnesota has that tremendous defense. I think there's just too many question marks on the Lions. And, you know, Matt Stafford can't do it all. And that's what, I mean, he can't do it all. And then what happens is one of the division foes goes out and gets maybe the best or at least one of the best defensive ends to come to their team with the Bears getting Khalil Mack. Right. It's just another another guy that the Lions are going to have to block at least two times yeah. this season. And, you know, it's the offensive line for the Lions didn't look all that great in the preseason, so it's just, you know, another thing to make you as a Lions fan be like, great, here we go. How about any sleepers? Any sleepers that you're looking at that maybe can jump up to the top of the pack and make a playoff push? I mean, I know a team that I'm kind of liking, I don't know. I think they're going to win some games since I've been watching Hard Knocks. I really like the yeah. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> That's typical Hard Knocks. That's what Hard Knocks does to you. It makes you believe in a team uh, a lot more than you actually should. Don't you think they'll be improved? Uh, what would you say a successful season would be for them? I mean, they what they went 0-16 last year? I think they could be anywhere between 6 and 8 wins, possibly. Okay. I mean, they, I they so. play in that division. I mean, like I, I was just talking about the Steelers. I think they'll be good, but... They play with the Bengals and the Ravens in that division. And, you know, those two teams, I, they've been in the playoffs. You don't really know what to expect. But other than that, I, I mean, I feel like, yeah, six, six, seven wins, and that'd be a huge improvement for them. Also, out of the NFC, I really think this could be New Orleans' year to make it to the Super Bowl again. Okay. I hope so. I love Drew Brees, and I love that team. They're fun to watch. And that's kind of, I, can't, I can't wait to watch the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I'm really looking forward to watching them. They play the Chargers if you want. Uh, just like with the Patrick Mahomes, he's a gunslinger, and Andy Reid has always had like a fun offense to watch, and they have you know some studs, uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and uh, Tyreek Hill. Those kids are they're fun to watch. Yeah. Well, the Lions open up on Monday night, next Monday night against the Jets. I'll tell you what, Ford Field will be rocking, and uh, the bubble will burst if the Jets, with a rookie quarterback, beats Detroit at home. The Lions got to win that game, don't they? 
You know, I was I, when they named Darnold the starter, it just almost made me laugh because he's going to be the, the youngest quarterback to ever start at the opening game of the season. And it's on Monday night. It's in Detroit. So it's just like it's setting up to be just a huge, huge letdown for Lions fans. <laughs> oh, God. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> but the, the one thing, I guess, working in our favor is uh, the Lions do usually play well um, at home. And they've been they've played well on Monday Night Football, so like you know we do have that going for us, I guess. Yeah, they don't get that many uh, games under the national light, so they usually do play pretty well when it's a national audience. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the, we beat, like the thing about the Lions, we beat it normally in the past, past like four or five years, we beat the teams that we should beat. Yeah. And I think New York Jets are going to have a losing record, so we'll beat these teams, but we're never going to beat the good teams. Right. That's so pretty. I guess that's, and I mean we're favored by six and a half points. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, there's really a, I could see it going playing out two different ways. Either we just blow their doors off and Sam Darnold looks horrible, or Sam Darnold really is the savior, like right from the jump, and he just puts on a show. Also, we should touch, boys, on the, the latest story. We're recording this on Tuesday night, but uh, Colin Kaepernick and the uh, Nike controversy. Any thoughts on that? Well, it's just it's funny to me to see people, you know kind of reacting the way that they are it it's funny but it's almost not surprising because the people who are reacting the way that they are are the people who have obviously hated the whole the protesting during the national anthem and everything like that and you know they're boycotting or or they're saying that they're gonna boycott nike so they're they're burning their nikes or they're cutting their socks up or and stuff like that and it's funny too because some of them have started saying i'm just going to start wearing my converse all the time now right realizing that converse is owned by nike so that's just really funny (laughs) i didn't know that it's one of those things that i think it's really starting to like it's starting to be like a telltale like you need to look yourself in the mirror type of thing like why are you getting so mad about this when i mean nike has supported they supported i mean michael jordan was their first guy back when it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily popular to have you know athletes as the face of your franchise like that and they supported kobe they supported tiger serena kaepernick now I mean, I think people are, really need to look themselves in the mirror and think about, like, why Why are they getting so mad about this right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's what cracks me up is how they're, yeah, they're showing Nike these shoes that they bought. They're burning them. Like, they have already made the money off of you. You're giving them free advertising. Like, I don't really get what the ploy was there. That's the question. I have a question for, uh, for uh, Ted. Yeah. Do you have to um, burn up your Nike Air Monarchs? My <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was going to ask a question too, fellas. I mean, I'm not that smart when it comes to advertising. You know, they always say any publicity is good, even if it's bad publicity. But when you're a business, do you think? I mean, I, I see Nike stock went down quite a bit today. It'll probably bounce back up. But is there such a thing in advertising and in the business world of uh, capitalizing on bad publicity? Because everybody is talking about Nike when they're talking about Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I guess you can look at it that way, yeah. Because uh, I mean, like immediately the biggest trending topic not just on twitter but like all over was nike so whether you were going to their website or doing whatever because you hated it or because you liked it you were talking about nike so there is that side to it and there had to be some thought process behind it nike they're they're pretty smart people that run that company they knew that this was going to cause a firestorm of some sort right i mean they had to they had to yeah, I mean, kind of like what I was saying earlier. I mean, they they put they made Michael Jordan the face of their franchise. Clearly, that worked out. Right. Stuck by Kobe when he was going through his stuff. They stuck by Tiger when he was going through his stuff. 
you know, Serena has kind of been through some stuff. They stuck with Serena. So they're not idiots. I mean, they're, it's Nike for a reason. You know, and I think if, if Kaepernick works this right, I, I remember back in the in the days, the early days of free agency in baseball, there was a guy, Kurt Flood, for the Cardinals, right? And he really helped get baseball in the real world with free agency. Kaepernick has that opportunity. Maybe his playing days are done because he seems to have been blackballed, right? Nobody's signing him. He still has enough talent to be a quarterback in the NFL. Do we all three agree on that? Oh, definitely. But, yeah. he's, but he's blackballed. There's no way that people are signing him because of this controversy. But he, he ought to move forward with his life to be an activist, right? I mean, he has the pulpit. And he can really send a message for the minorities out there and, and make a stand. I mean, it's, it's about time some of these other guys get weeded out anyway, like Jesse Jackson and uh, Al Sharpton. I mean, they barely can talk anymore, you know. And you see them at places like Aretha Franklin's funeral. They don't need to be at the front of, of the civil rights movement at this point. I think it needs to be handed over to Kaepernick and guys like that. Just, just my thought. Yeah, and I mean, if anything, whether you agree or disagree with what he's doing, he's drawn attention to the problem in this country, the racial injustice problem that is clearly an issue in this country. He's at least drawn attention to it. And I mean, that the tagline of this whole ad campaign is believe in something, even if it means sacrificing anything. And that's perfect for him because he was really entering the prime of his career. And like you said, he's basically been blackballed from the league. No team will sign him. When you look around the league, and at least at the backup quarterbacks that are in the league, he's better than at least half or probably more than half of these guys. So he's definitely he, he's been blackballed from the league. So he has he believes in something, and he has sacrificed everything, basically, his you know professional football career to do it, to, to stand up for what he believes in. And I don't know why people are so mad at that, because what, what he's doing has been he hasn't harmed anyone. He hasn't. He hasn't burned any crosses. He hasn't, you know, started started any riots or anything like that. He he has peacefully protested and drawn attention to to something that he believes in. Well, and also, guys, let's move on to a different topic real quick, like as uh, we're running out of time. But uh, this week was also the big week of funerals. I know, Jared, you tuned into both Aretha Franklin's funeral and John McC- John McCain's funeral, right? I did not, but I was a big fan of because uh, Aretha Franklin. She- this seems like R-E-S-P-E-C-T, right? That's her song? Yes. Okay, so that's a great song, so I was a fan of hers. And then John McCain, uh, I mean, a war hero. You've got to respect that. Absolutely. Yeah, totally a hero. And uh, Aretha Franklin probably had the longest funeral I've ever seen. I mean, it was crazy. So you are a funeral watcher? Like Michael Jackson and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely tuned into that one. I, I'll be honest, I didn't tune into much of McCain's and Aretha. I, I pretty much got my clips from the news. But uh, a couple of legends, without a doubt. I do want to throw one other pop culture thing out there, guys. I'm a little behind on getting to the movies. I don't go to the movie theaters very often, but uh, I had a chance to watch an on-demand uh, a horror movie called Get Out. I think it was even nominated for an Academy Award. And uh, i got to tell you, man, that, it was awesome. In fact, I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was certified fresh 99%. Yeah, you are way behind on that one. <laughs> but I will say this. You saw the movie, right, Jared? I did. I know, Matt, you didn't haven't seen it yet, right? I haven't seen it, but I know the movie you're talking about. Jordan Peele, I mean, he's he made he was made famous on Comedy Central, him and his partner. But he, Matt Peele, yeah. Yeah, he put together a great movie. I mean, you know, I'm not a humongous horror fan. 
I used to be when I was younger, but this one really had a tremendous plot, and I, I recommend you see it. And anybody out there that hasn't seen it, check it out. That's my would, that's my movie tip. I would say, yeah, it's a great tip because it is a good movie. If you haven't seen it yet, you definitely should. It's that, uh, but the great quote in that one. First off, I would say like it's I would say it's more of a thriller than it is a horror film. Yeah, I guess that's true. But and the great quote from that movie is like, yeah, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. Yeah, <laughs> the white dad <laughs> trying to relate to. Uh, like a black main character or whatever. Yeah. Well, it had a good plot, and I won't ruin it, but it definitely had a good plot. A good uh, uh, supporting role by a guy. Do you know this guy? Is he a rapper, a comedian? Lil Rel Howery? You ever heard of him? Lil, L-I-L, Rel Howery. I don't think I have, actually. Well, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. All right. Well, he, he had a good supporting role, and it was very funny. So check it out. All right. Anything else we want to wrap it up with, boys? Um, go, go Lions, go Blue. I mean... Don't lose hope yet. That's right. It's a long season, right? Don't give up on Harbaugh quite yet, too, right? Uh, not yet. This is one thing I thought after the game wrapped up last Saturday, the Michigan game. Right. I was like, well, at least the Lions don't play tomorrow, and I have to sit through three hours of watching the Lions. <laughs> That's a bonus right there. <laughs> yep. Now we still have a weekend. If we want to do a few odd and end things around the house, we got Monday night football, so I love it. Exactly. All right, guys, let's call it a pod. Just to all our listeners out there, just want to remind you, share this podcast with all your friends. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple iTunes. Give us a rating, comment on our podcast page. Also, check us out on SoundCloud or TuneIn, whatever your preference is. Follow us on Twitter at 3PointPod. Also, you can email us at 3PointPod at gmail.com. And thanks again to the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks very much for listening to Three Point Podcast.